everybody, welcome back to Nerd Geek Dork. It's our podcast where we talk about the nerdy, geeky, dorky side of the pop culture. I'm Pete the Retailer, and with me, as always, is L. Adam. Hello. Uh, this week, we're talking about one of our favorite films. It's This Is Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap, the 1984 rock music mockumentary directed by Rob Reiner and starring Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, Harry Shearer, Rob Reiner, and many more is... It's just a classic. If you haven't seen it, go out and see it now. We're probably going to say many things which will lead to you wanting to watch it if you haven't done so as of yet. Exactly. Uh, and joining us this week, we've got uh, Eric Moline. Hey, I'm Eric Moline. I run a website called scenestealers.com and the podcast called the Scene Stealers Podcast, which is a weekly movie podcast. And that's scene-stealers, as if you're like stealing a base or uh, a canister of film or something like that. And I'm also the 2013 World Air Guitar Champion. Woo. Congrats on that, because that's awesome. It is. Thanks. <laughs> I've, I've never known a world champion before, so <laughs> it feels good for me nice. that you did that. I have to say, before we get started, um, this, this is my favorite movie of all time. I like oh. it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's setting the bar high. Yeah. Uh, we've also got Andy Runton. I'm Andy Runton. I'm a cartoonist. I write and uh, draw a graphic novel and book series called Owly. And, uh, but when I was growing up, this was uh, one of the, uh, f- absolutely one of my f- most favorite movies. And when I found it, you know, I didn't know a lot of people who liked it. And uh, I happened to uh, uh, be talking about it to Mr. Alex Robinson uh, about it at a convention. And he did a little test on me and I passed. <laughs> to see if I was a real tap fan, and uh, so we've been we've been wanting to talk about it for a long time, so I can't wait. <laughs> and in the third spot, we've got uh, returning guest Alex Robinson. Hello, Cleveland. Hello, Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll. Uh, I got, I'm Alex Robinson, and uh, like Andy said, uh, that was something he and I bonded over. That the test he was talking about. My brother and I are also. He's also a huge fan of it, and uh, we we roll our eyes when people say, "I love Spinal Tap." This goes up to eleven, and we're like, oh, "Yeah, like, this, yeah. like you know." So yeah. when Andy's like, "Oh, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Spinal Tap fan," I was like, "Oh, here it comes. This goes up to 11. And then Andy totally busted out like he started quoting stuff from like the delete the sec the the disc of deleted <laughs> scenes from Spinal Tap, and I was like, "Wow, he is." Uh, I I bow to the master. So what's the test? Yeah, Can I was gonna to say. What, what, yeah, yeah, what's I on the test? Know. Well, it's not any like it's not. Any, I haven't written it down or anything. It's just more like calling up more obscure lines and seeing, like you know, uh, you know, if they recognize it as a Spinal Tap line or not. Yeah, yeah. So if you chime in, if you know this one, so the one that Alex hit me with was the Law of Averages. The Law of Averages. <laughs> <laughs> So that's the you have to interrupt the person while they're saying it, as uh, Mick Shrimpton does in the. Uh, is it Mick Shrimpton or Nick Shrimpton? It's Mick. It's Mick. I think it's Mick, Mick Jagger. Right. Because yeah. but doesn't he get replaced by his brother at one point named Nick? Isn't there a brother named Nick Shrimpton? <coughs> I don't know. Maybe there's a typo on the on the uh, on the actual you know things on the uh, subtitles or something. You know. 
Or maybe that's disc four. You're going way deep. <laughs> You're going way deep. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Andy. I thought you were a real fan. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was. But anyways, it's kind of cool because that's that's the one of the issues is that because it is so recognizable of a movie, it's hard to tell if somebody's a real fan if they're like, oh yeah, the cucumber thing, you know, yeah. or <laughs> if it's if it's something that they've watched this more than twice you know so you know what's really strange about this movie is that quotes from it have worked their way into my daily conversation like i have there's there's a there's a moment for everything you know what i mean like at any given moment when somebody gets something wrong i'll say if i told them once i told them a million times spinal tap (laughs) then puppet show you know it's like (laughs) (laughs) And and I just it, it just stuff like that just rolls off the tongue. And having been uh, in in a, a tour in touring bands for fifteen years, and and uh, you know touring the country and touring the world and elsewhere, um, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like there's constantly moments like I've I've gotten lost underneath the stage at least six or seven times. <laughs> that, that, that really happens. That is not a joke. And oh, sometimes when. Oh, I was just going to say, sometimes when um, when we're playing for a, a less than enthusiastic crowd, uh, one of us will, will gather around backstage before we go on and say, I'm not about to perform a jazz odyssey for exploration. I got two hands. Yeah, I can. So there's like a million reasons to use Spinal Tap quotes in everyday conversation. I like it. I like it. Now I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I'm the youngest one here, uh, so I didn't catch this movie when it was first out and whatnot. And the first time I saw it, I was pretty young, so I didn't really grasp what was going on for the most part. So <laughs> when you guys first saw it, were you like instantly enthralled, or did it take a while for you to appreciate it? Like me, it took me like five years after the fact. It was like, oh, this is amazing. Well, I've got an interesting story because it's funny because. Uh my brother, who's five years older than me, he was the reason I came in contact with this movie. So he had, he used to work at Radio Shack, and he had like his own VCR in his room, and he had a series of tapes. Now, the ones that I loved the most were number one, Pink Floyd's Wall, right? So there's that <laughs> one, and a uh, little callback to another episode. And then um, there was uh, uh, Rush, a show of hands, that was the concert video for that. And then there was Spinal Tap. And I was like, what is this? So it was a, you know, VHS just on the label, just wrote Spinal Tap. And I was like, what is this movie? So I popped it in. It was recorded off of HBO, right? And it's like rated R. I'm like, what is this thing? You know? And the first thing, my first experience with it was how much they use uh, the word uh, fucking. It's like, it's, it's my fucking wife. Oh, it's your fucking wife. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's in everything. So it was just like, I was blown away by how much they were cussing in this movie. I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Now when I watch it, I'm like, yeah, whatever, no big deal. But at the time, I was like, I didn't probably watch it till 1989, 1990. That's when I saw it for the first time myself. So, How old were you when you first saw it? Uh, so I was born in 74, so I guess I was uh, 16, right? So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, I think... Uh, but, but, but yeah, but having watched it, though, and then like... It's kind of one of those things like a Monty Python or something like that. You go to high school and like nobody knows what you're talking about for Spinal Tap. So I, I would end up, you know, end, end up making friends with like the, the stoners or the heavy metal crowd 
because they knew this this movie. My regular friends had no idea what I was talking about, you know. So it was a real was a real uh, eye opener in terms of like what the audience was for this movie and who found it funny. But um, anyway. <laughs> I always uh, you hear the stories about when it first came out that people were um, didn't uh, some people didn't know it was a mockumentary and they thought it was a documentary and got like angry about why they made a movie about this this cruddy <laughs> band. I would love to talk to someone who like legitimately thought it was a real. You movie. you are talking. Well, I, you are I, talking was, I was seriously. I believe that it was real. I believe that it was real the first time I saw it. So, so yeah, I wouldn't think it was a comedy. You thought it was a real documentary. No, I, I went into it totally blind. But I recognized. I was like, "Isn't that Squiggy? You know? <laughs> squeaky?" But uh, actually, I couldn't really tell. So that's actually, quite It's actually Lenny. Is it Lenny? It is. <laughs> well, I wasn't. You know, Laverne and Shirley a little bit early for us. <laughs> yeah. Squeaky's more uh, fun to say. It is. <laughs> yeah, Alex. I I thought it was real. I was um, about thirteen when I first saw it. This is Spinal Tap, and I saw it on VHS. It was the Embassy Home Video release, and I was in this habit of renting, you know, three or four VHS tapes at a time and just watching them all weekend. And being a burgeoning heavy metal rock and roll fan, I had to find out about this British band Spinal Tap that I'd never heard of before. <laughs> somehow, somehow they had this movie, and I was like, "Oh, this is amazing! I'm going to find out all about them in 90 minutes." Yeah, the and, title's uh, so self-explanatory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I didn't. There weren't this this style of of comedy. This style of uh, the mockumentary thing is so prevalent these days that kids growing up, they have this. Um, I, I think they have this very aware uh, quality about how things are filmed, and 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 since it's so easy to to film things yourself, um, I think they understand that that something like this. Um, you know the the, uh, uh, the office and things like that. That this style is is very obvious to them that it's actors. But right. back then, and when I saw this this movie, it was eighty five. I think by the time I caught it on VHS, it really felt like a documentary. And and you know there was no internet back then, and we didn't have any other way of checking things out. And honestly. The magazines I was reading at the time, Circus and Hip Parader, had articles about Spinal Tap that weren't talking about them as actors, and yeah. they were they were making appearances, um, you know, in in Ronnie James Dio's uh, uh, Hearing Aid, which was his heavy metal version of uh, USA for Africa. Oh, man, I look that up <laughs> in character, yeah, as themselves. Uh, uh, in character, talking about you know we're so happy that Ingve Malmsteen's here, and we love how he puts the Ingve J Malmsteen in his name because otherwise you know he'd be confused with all the other Ingve Malmsteens. <laughs> <laughs> and I have that fucking footage. I have that real VHS that I taped off of MTV of Ronnie James Dio's uh, Heavy Metal for Africa thing, and Spinal Tap just ruins it. Like they're just. Right in the middle of it, making fun of everybody, and you can tell these heavy metal dudes are not happy. <laughs> really, I'd always heard that musicians loved the movie because it was really kind of a reflection on, you know, it was like inside baseball kind of a thing. That it was the stuff they all went through as touring bands and and things yeah, like that. But, but 
but I when these guys took it took a little more seriously. So. Well, when faced with those people, like right in your in your company, making fun of you to your face, I don't know. It was a yeah. little. Yeah. we've a got little a little more distance now. I mean, that, when was that? Probably like eighty three, eighty four. When that uh, USA for Africa thing that was eighty four, right? So, hearing aid had to have been relatively close to that. So maybe the distance between you know them making fun of it now, they can see it and laugh at it, but. Back then, that was the era of hair metal and everything, you know. So totally, yeah. No, it was it, it was hilarious, and and you know they were making those appearances all the time on Saturday Night Live, doing Christmas with the Devil and things like that. And so it wasn't obvious that they were a, a not a real band. And so I felt so sorry for them watching the film. And then <laughs> if you'll, if you'll remember the VHS when it was all over with, they played that that giveaway after the credits yeah, rolled. Like, you stay like, through the credits, right? Because they're funny. And then it says, if you thought Spinal Tap was a real band, and this is scrolling on the screen, they're not. And neither is the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus either. <laughs> wow. That was when I oh, found wow, out I've Spinal Tap wasn't real. Yeah, is that on any of the later video releases? Because it was definitely on there the first time I saw it. I rented it from my, oh, my local man. video store. Yeah, I think it is. And it yeah. was at the end of that commercial. Right. I can't remember if it's on the Criterion one or the one that's out now, but um, it's definitely on there. Hmm. Uh, here in aid was uh, here, here apostrophe n aid. Oh, sorry. Is there a uh, <laughs> <laughs> was 1985 so <laughs> so it was a, it was a big year for me <laughs> um, uh, well there's also that movie um I, the one about anvil that band anvil oh yeah that's have you guys a, have you guys I've all seen, seen that? that i've seen that i have an autographed copy of that <laughs> oh, nice. i mean that, that is pretty not that's a mockumentary and... yeah that's pretty much like a real life version of Spinal Tap, so it's not a comedy. I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is not intentional, or the band right. certainly didn't right, think right. it was intentional. It's tragic. It's a tragic. It's a tragic. There, yeah. were, there was a moment in Anvil, the story of Anvil, when uh, when the lead singer is playing his guitar in in archival footage with a black dildo, and <laughs> I, I kept thinking, is this a put on? <laughs> like at the, at that moment, I was like, "This can't be real," you know. As an it's, older it's so guy, like, I'm not going to get fooled again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, it was even billed, you know, it reviewed as a real life Spinal Tap, which is such a like. It, yeah, either it's very depressing. It's a very depressing movie. <laughs> yeah, either it's depressing or it's genius. Like, and it's like it's taking that that you know it's fooling you on a, on a way deeper level. Well, it's also very similar to Spinal Tap in terms of the way it's set up, because what you're dealing with is a very sentimental portrait of generally nice people. Yeah. And I think that one of the things about uh, Spinal Tap that, that makes me firmly put it as the best, the greatest movie of all time is that there's characters in it. And, and as you're making fun of them, you care about them. And when Nigel quits, it's devastating because you see this... Uh, despite all the ridiculousness, you see uh, David and Nigel uh, have this great bond and you see it kind of coming apart and you see the Beatles, you know, uh, Yoko splitting up the band and and when it happens, it's it hurts, you know, and it sucks. And uh, I think the Anvil story was the same way. You, you generally like these guys and um, despite all the, all the ridiculousness. That's true. Good point. Now, Pete, did you did you jump on board immediately? Um, 
I saw it first on uh, on home video a couple of years after the fact. Uh, the first time I remember being aware of it, though, was uh, I think I saw the review on like Siskel and Ebert. I saw them. They, they showed like a short clip of of uh, the scene where where uh, Derek gets kind of trapped in the pod. <laughs> <laughs> And they were talking, like, they talked about how it was funny, but they weren't, like, I don't think they were, like, completely, you know, they said it wasn't brilliant, but they liked it, but it was, like, and it just seemed like a really weird, like, it seemed almost sci-fi. I thought it was a sci-fi movie for a little bit, and, like, it was always in the back of my head, like, I should check that out, probably, but it seems really weird. And then, you know, a couple years later in, in, you know, junior high or high school or whatever, I rented it and, and instantly fell in love with it. You know, Ebert ended up writing uh, about Spinal Tap and putting it in his great movies list. Really? Yeah. Oh. So it's, maybe it's a movie that grows on you. Yeah. Yeah. Over time, it's become more genius, at least for me, in terms of having experienced a lot of, you know, like, do a lot of traveling with conventions and things like that. I mean, and there's just no end to the times you're like, I'm living Spinal Tap right here. You know, so. <laughs> I was to say I had the good fortune to be able to see them live uh, in '01, in, and uh, when they the they the opening act was the um, oh my gosh I suddenly blanked on the name the was uh, it Anvil yeah no the folk, <laughs> the yeah, folk, folk version right the folk yeah, version the, the Folksman yeah, yeah the Folksman opened for them and I don't think it was before a Mighty Wind came out and I don't think people realized I didn't realize that it was them doing you know a uh essentially opening for themselves as another band and that was a it was very strange to be in the audience and we're all like singing along and rocking with the songs they were (laughs) they truly were rocking us that night and um we were people ironically enjoy like it was a weird like how met is this meta or not are we enjoying them you know are we People pretending to be fans of these people yeah. who are pretending to be a band. Are we fans of the band? Are we, <laughs> you know, it was it was a weird, like, I wasn't sure what level I was enjoying. I couldn't concentrate because I wasn't sure what level I was enjoying it on. <laughs> no, I've seen a tape of that concert, and it's really good. That oh, the Break Like the Wind concert. I mean, it was, it was like, I mean, because they, I think they released it as kind of like a concert, and then they would have little snippets that were kind of documentary pieces in between catching up with the band and everything was really cool. Oh, yeah, you're talking about the return of Spinal Tap. Right, right. So that, yeah. But when you're watching that concert, you're like, this is actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you're like, wait, uh, hmm, well, I enjoy it, but I love those characters and I love the music, you know, even though it's, you know, I'm not going to sing Sex Farm karaoke, but, you know, I could. <laughs> <laughs> you totally should. <laughs> I think you should be made to over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> well, not <laughs> Alex. When when you saw that show, do you remember if the Folksmen did their cover of "Start Me Up" by the Stones? Yeah, I think that at that point, that I think the first time people in the audience, including myself, were like, "Oh, wait a minute!" Yeah. They do that that kind of folky, you know. At the very least, we're like, "Oh, these guys are supposed to be funny," and then it, we all kind of like you could almost feel the audience being all like. Oh, I get it now. You know, whereas before <laughs> yeah. they'd been booing, now they were suddenly like in on the joke a bit more. So uh. there's there's that line at the end where um, where they're singing. I think is this on the Mighty Wind soundtrack? I think yeah, it is on the soundtrack. Yep. Where they start repeating the 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 one line that Mick Jagger says once in 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 the song, where they go, "You make a dead man come." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> over and over. You make a dead man come, come. And it's like, oh my God. And then it and segues it, into you make a dead man come. Kumbaya. Kumbaya. <laughs> oh, man. I I went back and watched it uh, last weekend just because it had been a while. And I was like, well, I need to have it fresh in my head. And the two things that caught me was like realizing that it's Ed Begley Jr. in the beginning as their drummer. And it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's totally who that is. And how much I love Nigel's uh, mock piece. <laughs> for like my love pump. Oh, yeah. it's <laughs> simple lines in a toy. <laughs> 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 I, I watched that scene maybe like five like I just kept rewinding because it just kept cracking me up it's such a like nice quiet and then boom you know E, mi- the- e minor <laughs> yeah. the saddest of D all minor. Uh, <laughs> D minor sorry no there was through Minus the magic of Facebook uh, I noticed that Ed Begley Jr. was in my town this past weekend he was uh, spotted at a fair in downtown Lawrence with oh, a wow. solar powered car <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> Yeah, so I didn't get. A ch- I saw it too late, though. I couldn't go down and meet him. I would have had him autograph my Spinal Tap poster. <laughs> it is funny because, in retrospect, about whether or not you think it's a real thing or not, there are people in it now who people would like Fran Drescher and Billy Crystal is in it, and uh, yeah. Dana Carvey too plays one of the the uh, mimes. So, and uh, it's so funny because now, how could people think it was real? You know, Paul Schaefer's in it for crying out loud, but. Maybe back then people were a little bit more not as like s- suspicious, you know. I mean, yeah. everyone was kind of disguised a bit. So, yeah. I remember thinking very clearly that um, because I was a big Saturday Night Live fan, and Billy Crystal was on Saturday Night Live at this point. I, don't, I think it was maybe before Christopher Guest had joined. Um, and I was thinking, why is Billy Crystal uh, dressed like a mime? And like, I'm like, does he just do this for fun? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, like he's I working, I guess he needs the money. Yeah, and I still <laughs> thought the movie was real. <laughs> the movie kept trying to show you. It's like, Eric, look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fred Willard. Fred Willard oh, yeah. is so awesome in that movie. <laughs> that he is. He's awesome in every Jack- appearance he does. So. Two Jacks and a Jill. Yes. Uh, every time I go to Ramada Inn here in Kansas City, I look for four Jacks and a Jill. And- I don't want to get too close to them, though. They, you know, might think I'm one of the band. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm getting a little shaggy. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. What did I think? I heard last time somebody was talking about, like, uh, inside a comic book convention, that there's two Jack Sparrows that walk around, and they, they cosplay as a pair of Jacks. And I was like, oh, my God. And so they're making a Spinal Tap reference, but it's kind of hidden, but not really. But maybe they're not, and maybe they're living it. Hard to say. <laughs> they need. They did definitely need a Jill. They did. Uh, speaking of hidden spinal or subtle Spinal Tap references, uh, I remember when the uh, the drummer from Toto died, and I remember seeing it on MTV News, and Kurt Loder was saying he died from um, an allergy to some uh, gardening pesticide. Oh, or something. Oh. A bizarre and gardening it, it accident. Turned, it turned out he really just died of a heart attack. But the band released. That he died, and I always wonder if that was kind of like a subtle tribute or a subtle reference to Spinal Tap. Wow. uh, Maybe that was his epitaph. That's what he wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Here lies the drum of a Toto, and why not? (laughs) (laughs) That sums it up, really. You think that?
has has anybody else been to Graceland before and performed the uh, Heartbreak Hotel in front of Elvis's grave? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, haven't done that. Can't say that I have. I've accidentally forgotten to go to Graceland twice. I've <laughs> driven driven through and, and been like, oh wait, shit, Graceland! Like uh, you know, an hour later in a different state or whatever. Nice. Can you get that close to it anymore? I wonder. Oh yeah, didn't even get that close. Oh really? Oh, yeah. we, were, we were right there. Uh, my band was was there. We were recording in Memphis for a month, and uh, <laughs> oh, God. we went to Graceland and and we started singing Heartbreak Hotel and arguing over the harmonies. And <laughs> we had our little moment. It was awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what percentage of the people there are uh, Spinal Tap fans recreating. Elvis is rolling oh, over his grave every time it happens. There's like a separate line just for that. Like, okay, who's here for Elvis and who's here just to do the spinal tap thing? Because we could just bring you right to the front. It'll take two seconds. Camera's set up in here. Do you need yeah. a wig? You need a wig? You need a wig? <laughs> we have a green screen. You're good. <laughs> now, now, do you think these guys had any idea when they were making this movie how big it was going to become? Like, because no. now it's, it's just monument. Like, everyone knows at least something about this movie i mean even like when you go to the imdb page their rating goes to 11 as opposed to every other movie or tv show on the site which goes to 10 which is like that's pretty cool yeah i think the 11 thing is probably their the most lasting legacy the fact that that so many things they you know that that's the thing turn it up to 11 or i think that's probably the single most like over time that will be the one thing that is remembered absolutely well, I mean, that was the thing with MTV at the time. They started their rockumentary series, and it was all based on, you know, this kind of thing. And it was kind of behind the scenes, and you never knew if you were going to see Spinal Tap moments or not with bands. I, I think it's, but it's funny. There was actually I met some um, guy, and he was really young, and he had been touring with a band. And I said, "Yeah, you have a lot of Spinal Tap moments," and he just grinned. He knew exactly what I was talking about, you know. So I mean. <laughs> He probably was born when I graduated high school, and he knew exactly what was going on, you know? So, it's timeless. This movie is really timeless. Like a fine watch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a fine line. Well, it's... Uh, <laughs> when it came out, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an instant success at all. It, it, you know, it didn't fail miserably, but it was just kind of like, oh, okay. And then it just slowly built to, to the point, you know, I mean, it, it was, I guess, critically acclaimed, but nobody, you know didn't do huge box office numbers but then since then slowly started building and building well, i was gonna say it seems almost like one of those uh movies that it was almost kind of like made for the internet age because it's so packed with jokes and references and, and and things like that that uh you know repeated viewings you notice other things that you wouldn't normally notice and it's kind of really made for the video age and maybe not the internet age but definitely the video age where you can watch it over and over again because you know when you watch it ten times, you definitely notice more odd things, like uh, like uh, the the hotel clerk with the coke bottle glasses and, <laughs> and t- taking offense at being called a twisted old fruit and things like that. <laughs> Just as he's, God made he's, me. So. Uh, the guy from the Jeffersons, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it wasn't he in uh, like the Electric Company too, wasn't he on the Electric Company? I don't know. It's a long time. He was, and mm. he was also in Waiting for Guffman too. Huh. I will uh, agree with Alex. I think. Um, this is maybe one of the first movies that kind of gained that cult status through VHS because, you know, back in the 80s, there, we didn't have the opportunity 
as as movie fans to see movies as much and and to keep watching them over and over. And I know that after I discovered that Spinal Tap wasn't real, I just had to keep watching it over and over and over again until I had the whole movie memorized. And when you're a kid, you can really do that. You have a lot of time. And I think, um, you know, this is one of those movies where you go back and now the, the 11 line doesn't make me laugh anymore. But when Harry Shearer uh, talks about the, the new packaging materials and he says, uh, well, they got monkeys opening it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest laugh for me. And it's, you know, uh, the, the, the little tiny things, you know, uh, I'm not going to try to fit these people into a King Leisure bed. And then he says, don't tempt me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> And then when he—that's the thing. And then when he finally gets the room, he's like, "I got it. I got it all sorted out. Yeah, one big bed, you know." So he never got anything sorted out. But it's one of those things you miss all that stuff. And then the more you watch it, but I was going to say, you know, the Princess Bride is like that too. It's about that same time. You watch it over and over. You get all the. But again, Christopher Guest, you know. So right. um, And Billy Crystal. Again, yes. I love the the possibly apocryphal, but apparently Tom Waits said that he cried when he first saw it because it was so sad because everything that had happened. You know, like all these musicians, as we covered, a lot of people instead of thinking it was funny, being like, "Oh yeah, that, that that's that's happened to me," they've been like, "Oh no, I can't believe it's happening to them too." <laughs> <laughs> well, I understand a bunch of different bands uh, after the movie came out and became a, a cult film all started arguing that they were the ones that Spinal Tap was based on, which seems kind of a weird thing to be, like, boasting about. (laughs) 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 But I imagine they probably took, you know, probably took a thousand different stories from a thousand different bands and just kind of, you know, it's a conglomerate of a lot of different uh, stories. Yeah, Yeah, and and Iron Maiden are still arguing about it, saying that they were, (laughs) you know, the, the inspiration for it. Um, one thing I want to do is, is I want to make the case for this being the greatest movie of all time. And the, the, the way that I can do that, I think, fairly simply, is by comparing it to something like Citizen Kane. So uh, Citizen Kane is, is regarded as the greatest movie of all time because it was the first movie to do so many different things. Um, in terms of the screenplay, uh, telling the story uh, completely out of order... Um, you know, having uh, the low camera angles and the uh, expressionist, like putting all of this stuff together, uh, it was just there were a lot of different things that it, it pioneered. And if you think about it, uh, maybe um, uh, uh, Albert Brooks's movie Real Life was one of the first kind of reality-based uh, fake documentary things, um, but um, there wasn't really a lot of that happening up to that point. The Ruddles had already happened as well, um, Eric Idle's Beatles parody. But um, Spinal Tap really kind of perfected uh, something that I think has been imitated, uh, you know, ad nauseum since then. And its influence is still being felt today. And um, I really think that, you know, no other movie that that any of these guys has ever been a part of has quite had the whole package. Uh, Even The Princess Bride, I think, which is a great movie. I don't think it has that... um, uh, real life kind of improvis- improvisatory quality and and the ability to have uh, numerous and maybe this is just speaking as a musician but numerous uh, moments that that um, absolutely ring true in real life and and um, you know just a <laughs> such a rich uh, cast of characters and I don't know I mean for for me this movie is the whole package and I don't like 
when people uh, reduce it because they say it's just a comedy. Um, I think, you know, as, as film people, we always have to deal with that because, um, you know, uh, Oscar movies are supposed to be serious and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, it's just a com. People don't realize how tough it is to put something like this together and then to make it emotionally compelling as well and to be that far ahead of the curve. I really think this is one of the defining uh, movies of the last hundred years. <laughs> I think it's pretty much all the movies. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, and it's also a cautionary tale, you know. I mean, uh, definitely being having been around people that are famous and stuff like that, you can see that this is like saying, "Hey, guys, let's try to keep this in perspective here." You know, Um, too much. That's another. That's another. (laughs) That's a cane parallel. It's about hubris. (laughs) That's right. That's right. But but it's you know I've been in green rooms, and every time I go in a green room, I'm like, oh my god, you know, it's like where's the large bread. They don't have large bread, you know. <laughs> you know? And, but um, but I think that I think that thing, the one thing that Spinal Tap suffers from is that the appeal is is selective <laughs> because there's just not it's just one of those things where you know the the number of fans that they have. I mean, we're all guys here, right? So there's yeah. the number of female fans that they have. It, it's limited. I mean, trying to get my wife to watch it, it's not. It's I mean, one of my favorite movies ever. But at the same time. She just doesn't click with it in the same way, and I'm not exactly sure why. Well, because, uh, because she understands it. Size. She runs <laughs> <laughs> armadillos in the trousers. Yeah. I know, but, uh, but I'm not. You know, I'm just saying that's the one. That I think that's the one thing that stops it from being regarded as 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 great as it really is, is because the, because the audience is, you know, smaller. So you're you're drawing a corollary between uh, the selective appeal of. Uh, <laughs> Of Spinal Tap and 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 the movie itself. Well, there's a. It, well, I think what you said is uh, totally true, and it also works on a lot of levels because if you really look at it, you know, this band, they're really a chameleon. They don't really know what they want. They want fame. They wanna. They want. You know, they're chasing after every. They're they're dressing like flower people. They're dressing like mods. They're doing everything they can to get the hits, and then they they stick on heavy metal, and they kind of get stuck there, and they're not sure what to do. Yeah. After that, you know, <laughs> that's such a great like subtext of the of the whole movie is because um, because so I'm I'm gonna keep this story very brief, but I was in a band called Truck Stop Love in the '90s, and we uh, got a major label deal, and we went to Memphis to record that record. And while we were there, there was um, our our producer um, at the studio at Arden Studios was talking about some new country band that had just been in there, and we were. I had a theory about new country bands at the time in the uh, early to mid '90s that they were all heavy metal dudes who, when that dried up and Nirvana came out, they all went country. Mm-hmm. And uh, he confirmed for me that this <laughs> band that he was recording was called Little Texas, and they were a bunch of '80s hair metal dudes who still had the big hair and the perms, but they put on cowboy hats and started writing country music. <laughs> and I was like, "That is so Spinal Tap," you know? I mean, this does happen. You know, <laughs> one uh, cool thing I like about the movie, and it was a, it was just a stroke of luck at the time it came out, was that they can kind of do a sort of um, <clears throat> they can do sort of nods to at that point the previous twenty years of music history, which which yeah. changed so much. I mean, you had the sort of uh, the sort of mop top era of give me some money and then you had the uh, the more hippie flower people and or, or you know cups and cakes 
and you know the psychedelic time and that like if you made this movie now it's hard to think of how you could have such a range of styles like in the past compared to the past 20 years of pop music now i mean you know, i guess you could walk, it would be walk hard right yeah i oh, guess yeah. so Ugh. Yeah, you weren't so, a fan? <laughs> no, you know, it's one of those things, and, and maybe that's, uh, you know, but maybe Spinal Tap kind of spoiled me because, you know, like the Ruddles, Walk Hard, you know, any of these others that are like, dude, you like Spinal Tap, you got to see this. I'm like, all right, you know, but uh, I don't know. It's just something about Walk Hard. I, I had a really, I bought that DVD, and I, uh, it's a, it was a big mistake. I mean, Spinal Tap's just really on point in terms of just like, what it's like to be in a band and on the road and stuff. It's, I mean, not, you know, it just captures certain moments that, that's why it's so easily relatable, I guess. I don't know. And, you know, I mean, they, they also took that Yoko Ono storyline from the Beatles breakup and really ran with it. And that's just another thing where, you know, people can relate to that. I think that, um, how many, how many Westerns are there about two guys that have this vaguely homosexual connection and a woman comes between them, you know? Um, I don't know. I mean, I really think they're working with classic material here. <laughs> that might go back to what Andy was saying about the movie not being like, it's not a chick flick. Like clearly something about this taps into guys like, uh, we just want to be, you just, we don't hang out with our friends and these women come and, you know, mess everything up. So maybe that's part of the reason why it's never really quite been as much of a, uh, popular with the, uh, the ladies. Yeah, have you guys had any experience with trying to show Spinal Tap to other people who get it or don't get it or anything like that? Or is it something you just kind of find the people that do like it and then you bond over it? Yeah, I don't think I've ever tried to get somebody to like it who who didn't really appreciate it. Because it's, I think usually by the time we're watching stuff together, I either know that they're that kind of person or not. So that was our conversation about Spinal Tap. Well, part one of our conversation about Spinal Tap. We talked a lot about Spinal Tap. It's true. There was so much that we had to split it up. So uh, come back next week for part two of Nerd Geek Dork Presents Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap. Get it right, Pete. Well, we're talking about the band and not just the movie. You know, the whole thing. Spinal Tap. Anyway, next week. See ya.
Do you wear, do you wear black? 